1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The first thing you should be looking to do is leveraging where you live as a way to get into real estate investing because it's the easiest and one of the most cost effective ways to start investing. What happens is people don't want to be a little bit uncomfortable and so they're like oh, i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to be uncomfortable so they don't they don't typically do this method but everybody who's young you should be looking to house hack you should be looking to buy a two family three family or four family
2: mm-hmm.
1: and live in one of the units and rent the other units out Hit it! that's what i'm talking about wait okay
2: now from the beginning hit it boys welcome to the art of awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to the Art of Awesome podcast. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today is a Monday, so we've got a long-form interview as I get to sit down with a friend of mine and coach, mentor, real estate investor. Henry Washington, as we talk all about his journey into real estate and wealth creation, why he thinks that real estate is one of the best assets out there for creating wealth, as well as one of the easiest for anyone to kind of get into. So he shares his journey. He shares a lot of his thoughts on what's happening in the market now, how even though there's a lot of scary headlines out there, why right now might be one of the best times to buy. So Hope you guys gained some value out of this. I most certainly did. Let's wait no longer and jump right into it. Here is Henry Washington. Henry. Welcome to the Art of Awesome podcast.
1: Hey, man. Thank you for having me. I really really appreciate it
2: yeah well i'm I'm absolutely stoked to have you here. Henry, you are uh, kind of a legend in the investor space, or at least I think so. You're an investor in real estate, a coach, a speaker, as well as a podcast host for the Bigger Pockets on the Market show, which, side note, is one of my favorite podcasts. If you guys don't listen to it and you're into real estate like I am, definitely go check out On the Market. Um, and today, I really want to dive into kind of real estate and the market and what you see going on. But first, I'd love to kind of jump into a little bit of your backstory and how you got into investing in real estate in the first place,
1: yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Um, man, how's it go? Let's see. I started investing in twenty seventeen, so that's when I bought my first rental property. 90 days before I bought that rental property, I didn't know anything about real estate investing. Um, it was, you know, uh, learned through real estate because of necessity. I guess mm-hmm. I, I I was, I found myself newly married and realizing that a, I had not been good with money. There was no savings. There was no cushion. Um, and, uh, that didn't bother me as a single person, but as a married person, it bothered my wife. So (laughs) I needed to start making some financial changes. Uh, The second realization I made is that even though I was making a good salary, it wasn't enough to sustain the kind of lifestyle that my wife and I wanted to live. And Mm -hmm. so we knew that if we wanted to um, have the lifestyle that we were hoping for, that just having our normal nine to fives wasn't going to cut it. We had to figure out some other way to supplement our income. And so um, uh, we, I truly found real estate because I was looking for a way to find. A way to make more money. Um, I didn't see it when I first started looking into it. I didn't see it as a way to become my primary income. I was really just looking for how do I set myself up for retirement in the future and make some extra income in the in the meantime. And uh, and long story short, after I did my first deal, I did that deal with only a thousand dollars of my own money. Um, the rest was you know borrowed from the bank or 401k. So um basically almost hundred percent funded our first deal without mm-hmm. using our own money. And that light bulb moment really caused me to realize, oh wait, like I can I can do this at scale. If I don't have to use my own money and I can repeat this process, then I can grow my real estate business. And then I can start to see that as a way to replace income. And this can be my primary source of income. So it took that first deal and proof of concept for me to realize that this was something that I could actually grow, scale and do um, long term. Because the other thing I realized is that it was a whole lot of fun and I really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love that story of of just kind of like trying to figure out or having the realization of like, I've got to figure out how this whole game of money works. And I've got Mm -hmm. to figure out how to build the wealth creation, you know, tools and finding real estate. I I had a similar story of like how I came about it, but mine was probably a little bit longer route around. It certainly Mm -hmm. wasn't like ninety days in I bought my first house um, <laughs> I had a, a second child and and recognized like I should really figure out how I can bring in more money and and just like figure out how this whole these world these things of money are works. expensive yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and so that that was kind of like the the path that put me on the the journey to figure the whole wealth creation and how money works but uh but it eventually long long ways around, uh, brought me into real estate and same mm-hmm. thing with you. I just, it made sense to me. It it was tangible. I could like, you know, go there, okay. fix things up or hire people to fix things up. And, uh, and it was a ton of fun. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you bought your first house, you, you fell in love with it. And then I guess, Kind of, how did that take you to where you are today and and what what did that kind of look like the the scaling process, I guess
1: yeah, um so the growth process came because it, it, and all of this is like hindsight, right like I've realized now what happened and allowed me to grow. And then now I'm able to be more systematic about it. So I never want people to think I was some genius on the front side and knew exactly how I was going to go figure this out. Because I think a lot of people think that that's how they need to approach this is they need to go figure out their plan and then go execute that plan. And then you will have the results that you're looking for. And that sounds good in theory, but that's not the way it works. Most of the time, we've got to take the action first and then make adjustments based on what you're learning and or, or what's working and what's not working. So um, for me, I was fortunate enough to have been lucky enough to walk into a small local bank when I got my first deal under contract. Um, I had no idea how to, to execute my first deal. I kind of went and got the deal, knew it was a good deal and just said, I'm going to go figure out how to buy this thing. I don't have the money. I don't have the credit. But people are doing this. Like I, through my research, I had seen plenty of people with not great credit and no money have figured out how to close deals. And so I was like, I got to be able to figure it out. And so I walked into a small local bank just because it was close to my office. Like I, I had the literally had the contract in my hand, and I walked in there because I was like, banks have money, so let me just go ask this bank if they'll give me some of their money. And I, I walked in and 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 asked if I could talk to somebody about buying this house, holding a piece of paper and. I just so happened to talk to the commercial loan officer because he was the one standing in the lobby when I walked in. And so he kind of took me back to his office and he, he was like, man, this is a really good deal. And and we would love to fund a deal like this, as long as you can come up with the, you know, 15% down payment and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, well, sure. I'll come up with the down payment and didn't, didn't know how I was going to do it, but I wasn't going to tell him that. <laughs> so, um, I ended up, like I said, borrowing those funds from a 401k in order to buy that property. But what I learned through that process was that small local banks want to fund real estate deals. Um, Because if you think of what a small local bank does is they lend money to small uh, well, not small always, but they lend money to local businesses, right? That's how they make their money is through lending. That's their primary source of making their money. Larger banks have other ways to make money outside of just lending. Um, they sell a lot of their their mortgages and, and make money that way. But local banks typically keep those loans in a, in inside their portfolio, in their in-house portfolio. And so they need to lend to local uh, businesses. And real estate is... much less risky deal for them to lend on because if you're buying a deal at a discount if they have to foreclose and take back the assets that they that they uh, lent you money on uh, as collateral then they get an asset that's valued at more than what they lent to you so they can go ahead and sell that asset even at a discount and pot- and potentially not just get all their money back, but make money. Mm-hmm. There's not many businesses that they lend to that that's a reality. If they lend to a restaurant or a food truck and that restaurant or food truck doesn't perform and that uh, business owner then has to stop paying the, the uh, for that loan, they have to go see some assets and the assets that they get aren't worth what they were typically paid for and they can't recoup everything they end up having to take a loss and so when they see a good real estate deal they're like yeah uh, we would like to we would like to be the lender on this and what that allowed me to do is uh, learn that i've now got somebody who wants to fund my deals i just have to figure out how to come up with the down payments um and what else that i learned is like they were okay with me borrowing that down payment from another source. Sometimes they were okay with me borrowing that down payment from a source that they helped me get. Like a lot of the down payments I funded after that first deal were through the use of a line of credit hmm. um, that that bank gave to me on that first asset because I had equity in it. And so they were like, we will fund 85%. You can use this line of credit on this first asset as your 15% down payment. And then essentially to me, it's hundred percent lending. Um, in order for me to, to, to grow my business. And so I figured out that I have now solved the problem for where am I going to get the money for these deals? The only other problem I need to solve if I want to, um, if I want to grow my business is I have to solve for, um, I have to solve for the deals. Like I need the deals to buy. And so that forced me to start really going and learning how are people finding these real estate deals? Um and who's really good at finding real estate deals. And so I started to learn that wholesalers are really good at finding real estate deals. And so I just studied wholesalers. How are they finding their deals? How are they talking to sellers? How are they running their business? Like, what are wholesalers doing? And then I mirrored my business after a wholesaler to get really good at finding deals. The difference between me and a wholesaler was once I found the good deal, I was going to keep it. I wasn't going to wholesale it and make any money. So I just, i modeled my business after a wholesaler. I started to generate lots of leads and then I would buy everything that's a deal. I'd sell the ones I didn't want and keep the rest. And I still operate like that today. That's so awesome. that's how I scaled. Once you solve those two problems and you've got deal flow and you've got the money, then you can do as much as you want volume wise.
2: Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. I mean, those are the main two things that you need are the the deal and the money, and then there's the the sweat equity or whatever that you can put into it too. But you can hire that out as well. Like you yes, can right. you can either do the rehab, you know, if you're going to fix it up. Well, or,
1: I can't. You, you I know. never had that problem. <laughs> <laughs> I have not that guy. Yeah, but, <laughs> yes. but that's an easy thing to to yeah.
2: find. Is like there are there yeah. are contractors out there, and there are you know people that you know plumbers and electricians and and roofers and just everybody that does all this stuff, flooring specialists, tile specialists. So any job that you need done, you can hire that out. Um, And, and you just kind of run the numbers appropriately to kind of do so. Um, And so I guess like, so for, I've got maybe a a younger audience um, and I'm trying to think like, what, what do you, what would be best advice that you have for, you know a younger audience that has never done a real estate deal that wants to get into it that's intrigued by the whole idea of real estate but it still seems like i don't know that they, they just don't know where to start what kind of advice would you have for them
1: yeah um it, it's kind of it's kind of there's there's two approaches you can think about first and foremost if you're young um and uh specifically if you're young and not not married yet Um, the first thing you should be looking to do is leveraging where you live as a way to get into real estate investing, because it's the easiest and one of the most cost-effective ways to start investing. What happens is people don't want to be a little bit uncomfortable. And so they're like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to be uncomfortable. So they don't, they don't typically do this method, but Everybody who's young, you should be looking to house hack. You should be looking to buy a two family, three family, or four family mm-hmm. and live in one of the units and rent the other units out. That is by far the easiest way to start young and start generating wealth because you can use an FHA loan and only put three and a half percent down, or you can use a conventional loan and only put five percent down, but you can go buy a multifamily asset. And I know these assets are typically more expensive than a single family, but you're also allowed to use the rents that that property is producing as income for you to help you qualify, to be able to afford more. And so you can typically qualify for a higher price point when you're buying one of these assets. And then, especially if you're young and you've got roommates now anyway, are you going to have roommates? Like why go and rent an apartment and have a roommate help you pay your rent when you can go and you can rent a duplex or a triplex, but even if it's just a duplex, right? So you rent one side out to a family or somebody that's going to live in that side and you rent your side out to you and your friends. And now the income from your side plus the other side is typically going to cover your mortgage and some, and now you're getting paid to live, Mm right? Right. And then the the trick is, so people always see house hacking and they only see the the part one of house hacking, but it's part two of house hacking that really sets you up. And the part two of house hacking is the idea is, yes, you offset your mortgage. And so you offset your living expense, but that only matters if you don't absorb that into your lifestyle. So you have to still pay rent. You have to pay rent every month. You just pay it to your landlord, who is you, right? And so if you were planning to pay rent every month, figure out what that rent amount was gonna be that you were gonna pay. And then you pay that every month into a savings account for yourself. So the money that you're saving that you would be paying in rent or a mortgage, let's say you live in a house now and you're paying a mortgage, this is still applies to you. If I've got better news, if you own a single family home and you want to get into being a real estate investor, Congratulations, you already bought your first rental property. You just have to move out of that one and rent it out. Go buy a duplex, rent out your single family, move into your duplex, and now you've got three units. You can have that, you can be in your duplex in a matter of three months from now, right? If you start looking now. Mm-hmm. And so in a matter of 90 days, you could be you could own three units, right? If you want to end with only five percent down. So um House hacking is by far the best strategy. And the and the rule is, is you just need to live there for 12 months. And so if I was young, I would buy a duplex. I would live in one of the units. I would rent out my side plus the other side uh, to rent out my side to some roommates. And then after six six to eight months, I would start shopping for my next one. And then by the twelve-month mark, I would have bought another one, and I will move into that one, and I will rent out both units in mine, and do that. And I would repeat that process every year until I get married, or I have a you know a significant other that says I'm never going to share another wall with a tenant ever again, right? Yeah. But if you do that for if you do that for two or three years, imagine you do it for two years. You've got four doors, two duplexes. Um, if you never bought another rental property and. 30 years, those things are paid off and they're paying you for the rest of your life. Like that's phenomenal. Like, and you can leverage the equity in those to go and do other deals. So you should house hack and absolutely. And and a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to live next door to my tenants and I don't want to share walls. And uh, that's uncomfortable. And my wife's or my, it's typically the argument is well, my spouse isn't going to go for that. Well, you need to decide if you want to be wealthy or you want to be comfortable. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if you want to be comfortable, then we need to stop talking about building wealth because wealth is not built inside of your comfort zone. Has anything that you've ever done that's led you to where you are, Nick, to help you be as successful as you are, has it been comfortable?
2: No. And it, it's so funny. It could be in anything in life. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it, the, the growth doesn't happen in the comfort zone. Like Never. the growth happens past the comfort zone. It's it's in wealth creation. It is in in athletics, in sports, in fitness. Um, in parenting, like it's, it's always, it's never easy to grow. It's never easy to like become yeah. better. You have to like put the work into it and and kind of get uncomfortable. And then what happens is then your comfort zone exceeds. Do you know what I mean? So then, yeah. then yeah. you become comfortable in that space and then you push again. And that's how that, I mean, that is the definition of growth. Um, and so, yeah, I absolutely love that advice. I think house hacking is, incredible i wish i would have like heard about this before i you know was married and had kids and everything like that because it it is a little bit more challenging harder yeah for sure um and we kind of came about it a different way we had already had a house and had you know set roots and then we just started buying rental properties that was kind of the route that i went because i was slow to figuring out this whole Mm -hmm. real estate game And I I feel like I'm playing catch up a little bit. And so, for any of the the younger listeners out there, definitely listen to Henry's advice. Like I highly encourage anybody, go find you know a duplex, triplex, quadplex, maybe, but definitely a duplex is great. And rent that out, house hack it, and then you know just do it. I mean, can you imagine if you did this from 20 (laughs) to 25? You got 10 units already.
1: It'd be insane. Like you would never have you you would be. Arguably, you would probably already be millionaire status yeah. just from doing that.
2: Yeah, it's crazy um,
1: because of the appreciation. If you're doing it in the right market, mm-hmm. right? It's and and it, and it doesn't require you to have to like right now for you and I to go do a deal, Nick. We've got to go look for a deal that we can buy at a pretty significant discount, um, especially now with interest rates where they are. Like we're trying to we're trying to buy at a pretty hefty discount in order to get that property to make sense financially. If you're house hacking. You don't have to buy as good of a deal, right? You don't want to go overpaying for assets, but your goal is going to be to offset your living expense, right? And you can do that typically by buying something on the market at a retail price. You're going to live in it for a year. And what people don't realize is, yeah, it may not make a ton of cash flow now as just a primary rental property, but you're going to live in it for a year, maybe two years. And do the math. In two years, what is your market seeing in terms of appreciation? right? Add that percentage to your property. In two years, what is your property seeing? What is your market seeing in terms of rent growth, right? It's not just that your property is going to rent for what it's going to rent for the day you bought it. And so if it's a duplex and you're renting it for a thousand dollars a month, but in two years it can rent for 12, dollars a month, $1,400 a month in some markets, you've now got rent growth and you've got that property appreciation a thing starting to look like it's cash flowing a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Like and so it's an it's a much easier way to do this game. And, like
2: and I think too, like you you're you're tapping into a couple things that for me anyway, before I really dove into researching and learning about real estate, I just didn't fully grasp the idea behind not just cash flow and and you know, paying off paying down the mortgage and and all these different kind of tools that come within real estate, but appreciation. Like I knew Kind of about appreciation that yes, (laughs) over time, my grandfather told me that gas used to be 10 cents and Coca Cola (laughs) used to be 10 cents, but beyond that, I didn't really get the whole appreciation and essentially, um, the devaluation of like the dollar and and just inflation Mm -hmm. and all these things that I didn't fully get like wrap my mind around, but like explain a little bit, just appreciation. Like I was blown away when I saw, what is it? The Fred, is it Fred? I don't even know what Fred stands for, but it's like, uh, if you look in like Fred housing data or something like that, it it shows um, the the essentially line that's pretty much straight up and to the right from the last, (laughs) you know, several hundred years of American house value. And so I kind of don't see that changing anytime soon. And even the 2008, like, I also think we kind of we we have a lot of us have lived through I mean I guess everybody listening has probably lived through the 2008 um financial crisis and everybody saw home values plummet and and I think a lot of people got this like fear of like oh real estate that's a that's a risky business right mm-hmm. there it's like okay even though that was like the second biggest crash we've had in pretty much American history the the um the great depression back in the 1920s would have been the biggest one maybe. Um, but they don't realize that on that graph, it's only like a little blip. Like it's, it's just like a blip. It, it's just such a blip. Zoom like, out. Oh, exactly. Yep. You zoom out, you hold it for 10 years, man, you're making huge money there. And so I don't yep. think people realize that like even right now, you know, whether we're in a recession, whether we're going into a recession, um, I think for a lot of people, it's it's kind of a scary time where they're like, man, I don't know if I want to be buying things or whatever, mm-hmm. but in some ways, maybe now is the right time to buy because... Oh,
1: buddy, you're going to get me on my high horse.
2: Yeah. If, if, you know, if rates drop down or whatever post-recession, maybe once the recession's over, even if it's 12, 24 months is usually the longest they'll last, after that, it drives right back up. And so... I, I don't want to encourage anybody to to buy something that they can't hold on to because I that's the last yep. thing you want to do is is buy something and then have to like foreclose, give back the keys to the bank, or or you know file bankruptcy, anything like that. But look into whether now is the right time for you to buy because I, I listening to you guys anyway I am I am a, a firm believer that I think prices you know I, I, I let me say this. Ten years down the line, prices yes. of homes will be a lot more than they are from now.
1: <laughs> yes, they will. Yeah. Yes, they will. History uh, has proven such, right? So, one hundred percent, Nick. It's it's uh, we are in an unprecedented time uh, in terms of real estate because um, of the perception that's out there around interest rates and housing costs. And the perception is that interest rates are high and that the cost of housing is high. The reality is that interest rates are normal, right? If you look historically at interest rates, seven and a half percent is a normal interest rate. Like two and three percent interest was artificial. Mm -hmm. Like it was in response to a global issue. Yeah, I remember my parents
2: telling me that they had interest rates of like 17% when they bought their first home. So like, yeah, five, six, seven, that's, that is like historically a normal average.
1: If if you look pre pandemic uh, interest rates were in the sixes, like it's, it's, it wasn't that far off from where it is now. Right. Um, And the cost of housing, right. People think housing is expensive and it is, if you compare it to um, you know, 10 years ago or so. But if you think about where we are in terms of uh, the cost of housing, right now, interest rates are perceived to be high, which is causing people to not buy Mm -hmm. and to hold on to their low interest rates that they got when they bought a couple of years ago or when they uh, refinanced. Now, people are waiting for those rates to come down before they take action. And so, if the rates do start, or I should say differently, when the rates do start to come down a little bit, because they will, it might be in three months, it might be in three years, but at some point, rates will come down a little bit. Even if they go up again before they come down, at some point they come down. When that happens, everybody gets off the sidelines and they rush into the market. Well, as a country right now, we don't have enough housing for the people that want to own housing. And so that means. The limited housing that's there is going to start to get bid up by all the people who get off the sidelines and want to buy property, which means values are going to go up. And so we're in this unprecedented time where you can buy now with limited competition because people don't want to take action because they perceive the interest rates to be high. But you can also buy at low prices because the price is low compared to what it's going to be if rates start to come down, Mm -hmm. because everybody's gonna jump into the market and bid up the pricing on the limited amount of assets that are out there. And so if you wait and buy once the rates come down, yes, you will get a lower interest rate, but you're gonna pay five, 10, 15, 20% more for the asset that you're buying. I would much rather buy it now at a lower price at a higher interest rate, with less competition, because less competition allows me to get that lower price and negotiate more concessions for myself. And then, when rates come down and people rush in, I can then refinance that property and get the killer cash flow I'm looking for later, or sell that property and capture that appreciation growth that's going to be forced by people who get into the market. And so, it's really, really un- like th- we've never seen a time like this mm-hmm. where we can buy with no with limited competition at a low price. And so, I'm 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 buying as much as I can right now.
2: Yeah, and you said something there that you know hit home so hard for me was the limited competition. Like I don't think people quite get that. Like even in their heads, they're like, "Oh, it's fine. I'll pay a higher price because the rates will be lower, and it's fine because my monthly, you know, cost will be mm. down. Whatever, whatever." And again, fine for you to think that way, but you're you're missing the point about the competition. If anybody tried to buy a house, you know, back in 2021 2022 you would know that the houses went on the market and they were sold within like two days and it was all cash offers and it was just like it was crazy so competitive it was so competitive a really hard market to get into and so i just think that that's like one of the biggest differences is like right now there isn't a ton of competition because a lot of other people are also fearful about what's about to happen. Are we going into recession? Yeah. Are our prices going to come down a little bit? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, again, I'm not trying to give any financial advice. I'm just, I'm encouraging pe- people that, you know, if you're like myself and you want to own a house at some point or you want to yeah. own a rental property at some point, like what you're saying, Henry, this is, this is actually a great time to buy. 100%.
1: Yeah.
2: So I kind of want to just, uh, you know, move, move topics a little bit and, and uh, cause we've only got a little limited time with you. So I'm going to kind of jump into and talk about your mentorship and coaching program that you've gotten yeah. and something that I'm actually a student in myself. And so I've been learning from you both, you know, in the, in the, you know, on your, your podcast, on the market, but also just in the the um, mentorship program. And so kind of tell us a little bit about what the coaching program is and, and why you started it.
1: Yeah, the mentorship program started because I wanted to help people build and grow a real estate business, but in a more formalized fashion, right? I, I help people for free on social media. Um, and I have really inexpensive courses that people can buy, but I wanted to really have an impact on helping people grow their business. And that's going to require time, resources, effort, you know, access to, to tools and information. And so I had to put together something formalized to help people do that. And so, um, I I love, like, I don't believe I was led to real estate so that I could just become wealthy. I believe God led me to real estate so that I could show other people that they can do this too. I did it with a not so great credit score and almost none of my own money. And so there's so many people struggling right now financially that don't realize that like, they're not that far away from solving all those problems. Mm -hmm. If they can leverage investing in real estate, in a way that helps them do that with their current financial situation. And so uh, I kind of created this program to guide people through that process and show them that this is something they can actually do given their current financial status. They don't have to go and make a bunch of money and then start investing. They can actually start investing now and so we do. We have a we have a community of students all over the country who are doing real estate deals um, at, at different levels. Some are just starting out, looking for their first deals. Some have some deals and are growing and scaling their business. But I share all my time. I share my time. I share my resources. Like there's really nothing that I have that I use in my business that I don't share with my students. It's about building a community but i also am looking only to work with people who kind of have that servant leadership mentality i want people who are going to use the wealth and the time freedom that they create to help improve the lives of people around them and so we're pretty selective on who we choose to work with because i don't want to just take anybody who wants to pay me money to help them i want to take people who are going to use this wealth to improve the lives of their community or their family or the people around them it's about Uh, I I believe that the real value of wealth isn't what we get to do with it, but what we get to do for other people because we have it. And so I just want to make sure that we keep that energy in the group.
2: Yeah, I love that. And I love that that message and mentality as well. And that's actually personally, I mean, a very similar thought process of why I even started the podcast was just to share knowledge with people. And like, Mm -hmm. I get so excited about learning things and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I never knew this. I like, do other people not know this? I'd love to share it. (laughs) And so, um, again, and you know, within my podcast, I talk about lots of different topics, whether it be entrepreneurship and athletics and health and fitness and real estate and all these, Different things, but for me, I just i i geek out because I find it all so interesting, and I'm just like, I wonder if other people don't know these things either, and and can I share this because, and maybe it's because I didn't go to school or or university for you know all these different things or whatever it might be, but I'm just like the more that I learn, whether it be through mentorship programs like yours, whether it be through podcasts, through books, um, courses, whatever, I'm just like. Oh my gosh, I can't believe other people know these things. And, and I didn't, and nobody told me I didn't even know it. So I, I love that you're sharing it. Um, I, yeah, I just, I love the, the whole mentorship program and, and the mentality behind it. Um Henry I'm going to I could easily talk with you, you know, for hours about <laughs> real estate, you know, the market conditions, what we see thinking, you know, might go on in the future and all this stuff. But I'm going to move us on into the the last segment of the show that I call the fire round and I'm just going to fire a couple quick questions off at you. Henry, yeah. do you have a favorite quote or a current quote that you live by?
1: Uh yes. Um uh, it's <laughs> is it self serving that it's my own quote. I I I, I tell people, man, I, this is a people business. It's not a real estate business. It's a people business that transacts in real estate. And the more you can be of service to people, the more you're going to gain. And that goes with anything in life. If you want to be successful, stop trying to figure out what you can get from people by either learning from them or, or, or networking with them, and start trying to figure out what you can do to add value to them. And the more you add value to people, human nature takes over and they're going to want to help you. And so um, my goal in my business is to take care of people. My my quote is, I I don't always make the best business decision, but I try to always make the best people decision. And if that people decision costs me money from a business perspective, I'm okay with that.
2: I love that. I love that. Um, Do you have a favorite book or a recent book that you might have been reading?
1: My favorite book uh, is *The Alchemist*. Oh, that's um, mine too. Paulo Coelho. Love that book, man. Just living your purpose and the universe conspires to help you, man. It's just, uh, just it's always been true. Um, uh, from a business perspective, the business book I read most recently that had the best impact on me was um, *Who Not How* by Dan Sullivan. Mm,
2: love that. He's also got. Um... I think it's him that has a gap in the gain. Is that right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Another one of my I, I, I love that. His whole concept of who, not how even applied to the the actual book that you're reading. It's exactly. just it's amazing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's so good. Uh, yeah. This is one of my favorite questions that I get to ask. If today was your last day on earth and everything that you've done. So all your podcasts, all oh, your videos, your, your I'm talks, your speeches, everything was to go away with you. And all that you were left with was a pen and paper, and you could write down three truths, three things that you believe true, that you could pass on to your family, future generations, um, anyone. What might those three truths be?
1: Oh, wow. Um, Um I think one of the most important things that I've learned is kind of what we talked about before is that the secret to life isn't about um, us. The secret to life is about other people. And so um, if you can live your life in a manner that um, forces you to add value and be of service to everybody you come across, you will live in abundance forever. Your business or businesses will thrive you're, you're, you' you will have all the things that you ever wanted in life. It's not about getting. Life is all about giving, and so if you can if you can change your mindset uh from trying to figure out how to go and get to how to go and give, you'll have more than you ever dreamed of. Um, second is who you choose to be your spouse uh matters. who you choose to spend the rest of your life with matters in terms of life in business and you can't lose sight of that. I think a lot of times we, as people make quick decisions about who we want to marry or spend the rest of our life with and don't give it the amount of time or thought that it probably truly needs, but it matters in how much peace you're going to have in your life. It matters in, you know, what you'll be able to accomplish in your life, it, it, it matters in how happy or unhappy you think you will be. And I'm not saying your happiness is dependent on somebody else, but, um, you know, I, and don't lose sight of that. Even after you have kids, like you're with that, you're with your spouse forever. You're with your kids for 18 years. You don't want to be married to a stranger after 18 years because you didn't pay attention to them while you were raising kids. So Mm -hmm. who you choose to be your spouse matters. Uh, and the third truth is probably something lots of people in the world would argue with me about and probably should have been my first truth, but that is God is real. And, uh, you should figure out that as early on as possible and realize that, um, even if you don't believe in God or you have some other religion, there's a theme across most religions. And that is that, um, take care of other people do right by people um, and uh, try to live your life in a way that is righteous and uh, not self-serving. And so like, I mean, who can't get behind something like that? So for me, I know, and without a doubt in my heart that, that God is real. And, and it is, it has had a profound impact on my life and led me in many positive directions. And, um, just means a lot to me.
2: Love that. Love those three truths. That's truly incredible. Um, Henry, I gain so much value from these interviews and these podcasts. So something I always try to do as much as I can is give back in any way that I can. So is there anything that you are currently focusing on that I might be able to help out with uh, or possibly even my listeners?
1: Yeah, man, absolutely. So. Just last week, I finished the manuscript for my first published book. Um
2: Congratulations. Book,
1: thank you very much. It's published by Bigger Pockets Publishing. It is called Real Estate Deal Maker, um, beginner's guide to Finding and funding great real estate deals. And you can help me by having people go to www.biggerpockets.com slash deals book D-E-A-L-S-B-O-O-K. And click the link there and just um, uh, you can register to win a free copy when it comes out. But it's just a a link that will let you be notified when the book is actually available for sale. So it's just kind of like a pre-launch waiting list. um, But that will help me tremendously. So biggerpockets.com slash deals book.
2: Awesome. I love that. Guys, please go check it out. Uh Henry's new book. I'm personally going to go uh I don't know whether I just get on the the notification list or if I can go ahead and pre-order it, but huge fan of the the Bigger Pockets publishing as well and very excited to read your new book. So thank, thank you. you for that, Henry. For those of you that would like to um continue to follow along and listen to Henry's uh, journey, just gain much of the the valuable insight that you share with all your social media and stuff like that. What might be the w- best way for people to connect with you and follow along?
1: Yeah. Best way is to check out my Instagram. I'm at the Henry Washington on Instagram, or you can go to my website, com. So it's S E E Y O U at theclosingtable.com.
2: Awesome. Well, go follow Henry. And again, I gain so much value about just on your Instagram channel alone. So tons of free value out there. Final question of the day for you, Henry. What is your definition of awesome?
1: Ah, My definition of awesome. That is a phenomenal question that I've never been asked before. But I think the definition of awesome is um, freedom to choose how you want to live your life. I think that's pretty stink, stinking awesome.
2: That is awesome. Again, thank you so very much for your time, for sharing all your knowledge and insights. Uh, this has been incredible, Henry. For all my listeners out there, I hope you got as much Um, insight and value as I did. If you did, please share this with someone that you think might need to hear this and please leave us a rating and review wherever it is that you guys are listening to your podcast as it helps us greatly grow our channel and platform and community together. So thank you guys for doing this. As always, I am signing off Nick Troutman and wishing you all a truly awesome day. Cheers, everybody.